consider it a real privilege to be able to share with you uh, from the Word of God this morning. Uh, our pastors were away in Edmonton at a conference uh, this past uh, week, and uh, I'm sure that we will be hearing from uh, in the weeks to come some aspects of that particular meeting. I also want to take the opportunity just to thank our pastors uh, for uh, contributing to the messages uh, on all those questions, those burning questions that we actually submitted. And I know there were many more than uh, we actually got to. Now, when Rusty mentioned that uh, he would like me to speak this Sunday, he actually kind of referred to it as a kind of a bridge Sunday. So he was dealing with the burning questions, of course, and then we have another series that we're looking at for the summer and basically said, um, uh, you, you can choose. Do you want to use a burning question or do you want to do something else? Well, I have to confess, I had my own burning question and I get to answer it. Uh, and that's different than the rest of you, I know. Um, but I do have a question. Uh, and it relates to prayer. Because... I must admit, I don't consider myself that much of a prayer warrior. And I actually never have. I've, I've thought, well, always, always don't seem to make the mark. I just, I have a standard, and I'm not there. How do you feel? I had a privilege of, uh, for a number of years of being a field leader for our mission, Greater Europe Mission, in France, when I lived in France. So not only did I have a local ministry uh, in church planting with the team that was there, but I actually had the privilege of being able to travel all over France to the 30 different missionaries with our mission who were ministering in different places. I loved the opportunity. I tried to be there every six months to go and see them for a period of time, visit with them, just enjoyed being there. And often I would even have the opportunity of being able to go and actually be involved in their ministry, to see the ministry that God was doing through them. But I always knew that I could ask one question that would make them squirm. How's your prayer life? And even missionaries would look embarrassed when I asked that question. So I realize that I'm not alone, and I assume that today many of you feel the same. On top of that, and this is where I get to this question, the Apostle Paul, actually, in writing one of his letters to uh, the early church, the church in Thessalonica, he makes this little phrase just in the middle of it. Well, it's actually the whole verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. And if you look up in the King James Version, the New American Standard, and even the English Standard Virgin, Version, not Virgin, Version, it says, pray without ceasing. And I remember when I was a little kid in my Sunday school and in church, I remember hearing that. I don't know if it was from a Sunday school teacher or from the pastor as he was preaching. Pray without ceasing. Well, listen, my parents never said, 
cease doing that. So I had no idea what the word cease means or ceasing. And I thought maybe it was sneezing. Pray without sneezing. But of course, that didn't make a lot of sense. Only to find out later it means pray without stopping. Now that's a strange thing for Paul to say. Pray without stopping. After all, you got to work. He made tents. You've got to look after your family. There's different things. So what on earth does it mean? Well, the New International Version, some of the newer versions, they kind of change that because we don't use the word cease anymore. And so it says prayer, pray continually. Well, thank you for bringing that a little bit more up to date. But still, what does it mean? What would Paul mean? Does he mean you're down on your knees praying all day? What would he be getting at? So I, that's the question I ask. What on earth does it mean to always be praying. As I did some reflecting on this, I came to realize that there must be more to this than meets the eye. And where this really came big time to me was last fall. And Rusty uh, met with me one day and this was, of course, you, you know that Darren was our associate pastor that was with us. And then he left and is now a pastor, a lead pastor down in Morden. And so we were without our second associate pastor. Well, what are we going to do? Well, we were still in the midst of all the restrictions of COVID, etc., and Rusty thought, you know what, this is not the moment for us to pursue another full-time associate pastor. And so he talked to me about whether it would be possible for me part-time to come on, and particularly in the areas that he felt were important areas to work on, would I be willing to be involved? The first one he mentioned was ministering with the seniors, the 55 plus, if I can put it that way. I don't know how many of you call yourself a senior, but I'm in that boat, okay? So I'm with you. And I thought, yeah, that's, because I, 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 ever since I moved here in 2017, that's been kind of on my heart. It would be, and I, I actually was doing a few little things like that. So yeah, this is, and then he said, would you also be in charge of prayer in the church? My immediate response is, <laughs> I'm not qualified for this. I, I already feel bad enough. And to be in charge of this thing? Are you kidding? In my heart. And then I just felt like God was really starting to work on me. And I got thinking, Howard, why are you so guilty every time we think about prayer? Why do I feel ashamed? Do you ever feel that way? Well, as I thought about it, I began to realize, you know what I think my greatest problem is? Because, I mean, I have tried all kinds of things. 
I have books in my office, actually, because I'm shifting office right now. I actually, they're in boxes, so I couldn't bring them today. But I have books, ring binders, with all kinds of new adventures in writing up lists to get myself organized to spend the amount of time that I feel I should be involved in every day in prayer. I, I, they're all there. They're marvelous. The way they've been worked out, I bought some of them, and, and they're all set up. And I, I can't seem to get it to the point where I feel I no longer have to feel ashamed. And then I came to realize, you know what my greatest problem is? It's my approach to prayer. It's my mindset. And I began to realize that, you know, and I actually broke it down into three. There's likely more, but I'm working on three. Three, what we would call default mindsets that are false. And that creates a problem for me. So I have determined that I am going to be working on these three different mindsets and change them. And I'd like to share them with you because I think likely you, like a number of other people, also struggle in this area. So let me just share a few of them. First one, and that's his relation to myself. This idea of mindset, I wake up in the morning and automatically my mind slips to this thinking, even though sometimes it's unconscious. I'm basically on my own. But God is there to help me when I cannot do something on my own. I'm really on my own, but God is there to help me. As a matter of fact, it's based on that uh, principle that uh, we so easily pick up, and that is the idea that God helps those who help themselves. Now, you've likely heard that phrase. I've actually heard some Christians who actually believe it's in the Bible. I don't think they've found it yet, but they actually believe it's there. And there's a certain amount of truth to it. Because it is true that God doesn't want us to sit back and absolutely do nothing and expect him to do it all for us. And that's likely the reason why somebody came up with that phrase. I mean, after all, the Apostle Paul, when he actually wrote to one of the churches in the New Testament, there were people within the church who were so caught up in the fact that Jesus was coming again in their lifetime that they actually stopped working and, and sat to wait. And the Lord didn't come. And so other people had to start feeding them and caring for them. And Paul writes and says, ah, if you don't work, you don't eat. Maybe that's the reason why somebody came up with that phrase. But you know what? It leads us down the wrong path. What does the Bible actually say? Well, John 15, 5 to 7, Jesus, this is himself, well-known illustration that he gives. I am the vine, you are the branches, if you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And then he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and they're thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The Bible actually goes on in John chapter 15. Uh, I'm sorry. The Bible goes on in Hebrews chapter 7. And I'm just going to read Hebrews chapter 7, where the Bible actually gives us the model for this. And the model is Jesus himself. This is what it says about Jesus in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Jesus himself, God the Son, submitted himself to his Father. Independence. If he did that, how much more should I do that every day? I can only do what God wants me to do every day because of him. Paul writes it, doesn't he? I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me. A couple of years ago, I was reading uh, an author on spiritual disciplines. And he suggested that we pray this prayer several times a day. And I'd like to share that with you. I try to do this several times a day. Lord, have mercy on me. That's a pretty easy one to remember. It's not a long prayer like the Lord's Prayer. Lord, have mercy on me. And behind that, it really says, Lord, I need you. I remember that old hymn we used to sing. Oh, I need you. Oh, how I need you. Just that understanding, that mindset that when I start the day, God, I need you. You, I am dependent on you. I appreciate very much my parents. My father was a wonderful man. He passed away about nine years ago. I don't have the opportunity to wish him a happy Father's Day today. My mother just passed away last year. And my parents were wonderful parents. I, they, they did so much for me when I was young to help me understand about my need for, for Christ, but what he could do in my life. I am so grateful to them. But they were hard workers. They worked hard. They came through the Depression, and they were on the farm, and they worked hard, and they instilled that kind of ethic in my heart. And to this very day. I, I am committed that you can check with my wife, Karen, every morning. We sit down to have breakfast together, and I have my date book, and I have a piece of paper with to-do. And I, I just find if I don't do that, I am completely disoriented every day. But you know, there's a bit of a problem that I have to work with on that because 
I can immediately get in to say, this is what I'm going to do today. And realize that it's important for me to commit my life to the Lord and say, Lord, have mercy on me. These are the things that lie before me today. I'm going to trust you for them. Please give me wisdom, strength, and whatever I need to do that which is right before you. Second, default mindset that is false. Every day in my everyday experience, it's just God and me. Now that sounds good, but it's not completely true. Because we have an enemy that is alive and active and working in our lives. 1 Peter chapter 5, 8 and 9, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. We have an active enemy. You know what I think sometimes? You know, if I just kind of work under the radar, he won't bother me. He won't think of me. That's not what the scriptures teach us. He's a roaring lion. And he wants to side, he wants to come out of you and just flip you over to the side. He wants to distract you. He wants to take you off target in serving God. Now, having said that, that can sound really overwhelming because he is more powerful than we are on our own strength. But I would invite you to listen again to the message that Rusty gave us, I think it was three Sundays ago, two or three Sundays ago, about Satan. Because he's that adversary. He is alive. And he wants to get to you because you're on the side of Jesus. But we have, because of what Christ has done, we have the victory on our side. But the battle is still daily. And it's intense. And that's why we need to prayerfully enter into each day, acknowledging that the enemy is there, he's alive, and as we depend on Christ and the victory that he's given us, we can walk ahead in victory. We need to recognize he's there, but he is defeated. A daily prayer that I like to refer to, and of course it's part of the Lord's Prayer, but I just try to start the day and remind myself during the day, oh God, lead us not into temptation, because temptation is real. You're never excluded from it. It's, it's, it's there. It can come at any time. But notice what it says, but deliver us from evil. Now, 
A lot of the older translations actually just called it evil. Some of the newer ones are actually calling, and if you looked up in Matthew chapter 6, you'll see at the end of the Lord's Prayer, in most translations, it actually says the evil one. The Greek word there could actually be neutral. In other words, it just means evil in general. Or it could be a person, in other words, a reference to the devil himself. And here's the prayer. Deliver us, Lord, from the evil one. Give us wisdom to know when he's attacking. But give us the strength to hold firm in what we need to do. So instead of having the default where we ignore Satan, or we think, you know what? I'll just try to lay low and maybe he won't bother us. We need to realize that God wants us to stand firm, recognize he's there, and then continue on in serving him. Now I'd like to go to the third false default mindset that I have. And that's in relation to God himself. God must be so busy in dealing with all of the problems of the world today that surely he has no time to deal with my little issues. Wrong. Wrong. The Bible makes it very clear. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 6. And I, I'd like to read the verses that are kind of around it. So if you just will notice there, Hebrews 4, 6. But let me just read a couple of verses that are actually before that. Um, sorry, verse 16. That's where I got thrown off here. Okay. It says this, I want you to imagine this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into the heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. And then it says this, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That basically is telling us very clearly that we have the privilege of coming to the great throne of God with free access. I remember watching a movie, and I still don't know the title of it. Some of you may remember it, but it was this family. Uh, the father had started a business, and it was a booming business, and he was very busy, had lots of employees, the products were doing well, and they were looking at a new product, and he was presenting it to his board one day, but he had already established a pattern with his family that if there was ever a need, they could just come and let him know what that need was. And while he was sitting there trying to convince the board of, of taking on this new product, he got a knock at the door 
And when he opened the door, it was his son. And his son said to him, my, the tire on my, uh, the front tire on my bike is flat. Dad, can you help fix it? Dad left that board meeting and said, gentlemen, I'll be back in a few minutes. And he went out and fixed that tire. I'll never forget that. Because I felt like the Lord said, that's my door. It's open. It'll always be open for you. That's the kind of commitment we have from our Father. He is for us. 1 John chapter 5, verse 17, uh, 14 says, This is the confidence, confidence we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. There is no need that is too insignificant to our Lord. Why? Because he loves us. It doesn't mean he's necessarily going to respond to every one of your needs or requests in the way that we want. But you can be assured, God our Father has made a commitment to us and he wants to hear. So I try to say a prayer like this every day. Thank you, Lord, for the open door for me to communicate with you today. And I just imagine that the throne room, the door's open. The door's open. Just come. So what am I saying? I've now come back to this and I think prayer, praying continually. I think prayer at its core is not so much an activity as it is a mindset. It's an attitude. And it's based on a relationship. And that relationship is built on love and trust. I can trust God that he will hear me. Now, having said that, doesn't mean that I think we shouldn't be praying in terms of activity. As a matter of fact, I think prayer lists are good. I think prayer lists have a role, but they're only tools. They're not tools to drive us, they're tools to help us to be able to bring requests, to be reminded of how we should praise God, how we should thank God for different things that we have. Prayer lists are good. I think they're good for us. Prayer prompts are good for us. Now that we have these smartphones, sometimes they bother us, but for the most part, they can be very beneficial because we can put apps on here that will remind us, that will help us, that will prompt us to pray. I mentioned several years ago, or shortly after we arrived, when I spoke, that I have one on here uh, praying for uh, people groups around the world that are still unreached. And every day I get a prompt of a people group around the world that I can pray for. And I love having that because 
I get wrapped up in my world and it helps me to think outside that world and I can actually pray for it. It's a prompt to help me do that. Another thing that I have going here that I know sometimes is a bit frustrating for some people, but at, uh, at 10.02 every day, not on, not on Sundays to interrupt the service, but uh, Monday to Saturday at 10.02, I have a buzzer that comes on that reminds me, Luke chapter 10, verse 2, pray ye the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. And it prompts me to do that. Those things are all important and they're all good. But I think the heart of prayer is not a bunch of activity. By the way, I, I have the privilege of, of, of ministering with some people across Canada. We have a heart to reach Muslims for Christ. And we're seeking to encourage churches and individuals uh, here in Winnipeg and around Canada to pray and to reach out to Muslims. You know, in the Muslim faith, they have it all regulated. Certain times you pray and you have certain prayers that you pray. Don't make the parallel to Christian faith. It's not the same. This is based on relationship. It's just a lifestyle of, of just that communication and trust with God that makes it possible, yeah, at any given moment to bow our heads and pray. But on the other hand, it's just an attitude of prayer every day, being in fellowship with Him and communicating with Him. Now, I think that that also, it's not just for us as individuals. I would like to challenge us to consider that for us as a church. For example, we have a number of activities in our church related to prayer. And I thought I would just take a moment to just share some of them with you. First of all, we used to have what we call a prayer chain. And I know that's gone on for years within our church where somebody would call somebody and say, here's a prayer request, and, it, and then from that it would spread out and cover a number of people. Well, now, because we have email, I, I think it's better to call it a prayer blast, because what we can do is you can have a whole list of, of email address and send out the, the prayer request just like that to everybody. We have that, by the way, in our church, and if you'd like to be involved in it, you can talk to me or call to the office, and we'll make sure you get on that. Uh, this past week, I think we had about four prayer requests that came through, just, just like that. We all got them. I think there's 60 people or maybe more that are on that now. It's a wonderful way of being able to get it out so that we can all pray right at that moment. Friday morning, we have a prayer meeting at the church here. It's open for anybody, by the way, coming at 8 o'clock to about 9.15, and we usually have 30 to 40 different prayer requests that we share together. And we pray through each one of those prayer requests. We just believe that's important as well. Sunday morning, we have a for each service, including this one, we have a prayer team. After the service is over, there'll be people that will be in our fireside room over there. And they are ready to pray for people who would like to have prayer every Sunday. 
We have weekly prayer intercessors. We have prayer intercessors that pray for our church staff individually every day. And we've encouraged our staff that they can send them a text if they've got an important thing coming up and they can be prayed for right away. If you'd like to be part of that group, talk to me. We have days of prayer. We have prayer and praise meetings at the church that we try to organize. And one of the things that we're wanting to get back into is that we actually do prayer walking together for those that would like to be involved in that. Now, it's not that difficult. I've, I've actually learned how to chew gum and walk at the same time. So, it, and if you can do that, you're qualified, okay? Because prayer walk, it just means praying and walking. And we're going we're gonna to start doing that again in, in the different communities here in the Southern Interlake, just praying for God to move into these communities and reveal himself. Those are different kinds of activities that we have going on in the church. But you know, the activities, they're nice. But I think what God would desire, just like he does for us individually, God's desire is that we would be people of prayer even when we're together. When I was talking to Rusty about taking on this responsibility, he shared with me that kind of a vision, kind of a, an idea of what it could look like that I thought was really good. That when we're all gathered together out there having a wonderful time of fellowship with coffee and, and all the different things that we're doing and sharing together, and you look out over the foyer, could there be in different areas two or three that are meeting together praying over something? Just spontaneously. Doesn't have to be real fancy or anything like that. Just praying about the issue or praising God about the issue. That we might be just people who by default pray. An attitude of prayer. I trust that we will overcome any feeling of shame and guilt and just say, God, I just want to, I want to just have an attitude of just prayer. It's just the mindset is the there. And I trust that these three things that I am seeking to work in my life by changing the way my mind is set to be a man of prayer. And I trust by God's grace that it would apply to us as a group that we would be known as a church of prayer. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you. What a, what a privilege it is for us to be your children. And you didn't just bring us out of the depths of sin and lostness and place us on a road and say, okay, you're on your own. I've done the work for you. Now, away you go. But you've promised 
that we could have access with you and access to you every moment of the day. We need it. We have an enemy who's active, who wants to discard us. He wants us to get off track. But thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your commitment to us. You love us. You want to hear us. And I pray, oh God, help us to be men and women who have prayer always on our mind, this communication with you. And help us, Lord, as a church to be men and women who walk together in relationship with you. I ask this in that Jesus may be exalted. In his name I pray. Amen.